0: Hello, Jack. Dennis, good afternoon. It's been a, a heavy lift of a week, and this has been a, uh unbelievable day. Um, I thought that, I don't know, I guess each day I think we are going to get to a uh, sort of end of the beginning stage with this. And uh, yesterday, of course, we were talking about the news conference with the DPS regional director and how insufficient those answers were. Uh, now we have this, uh, briefing with, uh, McGraw this morning, uh, the director of DPS, Steve McGraw, who, who is a good guy, uh, and who f- just frankly said that the people that first responded to Rob Elementary School in Uvalde didn't make the right decisions. This, this whole thing, um, and every aspect of it that we have talked about this, af- th- this week, Uh, comes down to, as uh, Steve, one of my emailers, said, a colossal failure. In fact, you could sum up this whole week by saying that adults are failing children. Um, It's unbelievable. So we had a egregious, obscene act committed by an 18-year-old who should be an adult and now we're finding out that we've had a lot of adults since his act that haven't lived up to or maybe have not lived up to their responsibilities and i i just keep thinking where wh- where is the bottom of this where where do we get to the bottom of this will we even find out all of the things that really happened the governor is saying we're going to get to the bottom of this we're going to be transparent we're going to get every detail out i with all due respect to the governor, I, I've been hearing politicians say this my whole life. It's usually not true. Things like this, usually, we don't get the whole story. We never get the straight story. The governor said he was livid a few minutes ago. I was thinking today, I almost can't even talk about this on the radio because I I I get so angry, I get so frustrated that I, I it can't, I can't contain it in the confines of a radio show where we have to follow a format and take breaks. And it's, I just want to scream. I don't want to um, Monday morning quarterback these police officers, but what, what was going on? Kids are calling from inside the school. What what are they waiting for? What was the thinking? Have we so um, hobbled law enforcement with litigation and lawsuits and politics and uh, defund the police and everything else? Are, are they now second guessing themselves on everything? even in their own community, their own kids are in the school? Did they hear the gunfire? Did they hear the children screaming for 48 minutes while 911 calls are coming in from inside the school? This is what DPS Director McCraw said about it being a failure in his news conference this morning, cut number one
1: you say there were 19 officers gathered in the hallway or, or somewhere what efforts were made to try and break through that door you say it was locked what efforts were the officers making to try and break through either that door or another door to get inside that classroom
2: none at that time the the on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject
3: you have People
1: who are alive, children who are calling 911, saying, "Please send the police." They are alive in that classroom. There are lives that are at risk. That's not protocol, is it? We're well aware of that. Right, but why was this decision made not to go in and rescue these children?
2: Again, you know, the on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject, and that there was time, and there were no more children at risk. Obviously, obviously. You know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. There was 19 officers in there. In fact, there was plenty of officers to do whatever needed to be done. With one exception, is that the the incident commander inside believed they needed more equipment and more officers to do a tactical breach at that point. That's why Bortac was requested. On the scene, as soon as they were there, they executed. They searched, or at least a, a dynamic entry, and went in. And uh, of course, that was not till 12. That was not till 12:57. Hey, I, uh, hey I, with the hey with the hey with the benefit of hey with the benefit of hindsight. Hey, the benefit of hey stand by, stand by, hey stand by, hey stand by, right? I got it. I got it. Okay. Hey, from the from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision. Period. There's no, no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe, there should have been a, an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. You don't have time. You don't worry about outer primers. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines okay, up. Okay, so
0: you get staff. the idea. We're, we're not learning anything from these. We're not learning anything from these. We're not getting any better at this. That's very frustrating to me. I understand there's nothing that's perfect. There's nothing that's foolproof. Evil. will find a way. But, man, uh, we're not learning. And then then we find out today that The door was not only unlocked, but it was propped open by a teacher just minutes before. We found out today that there wasn't a school resource officer. We found out that when police responded, they mistook a teacher in that propped open doorway for the shooter. And all of this is going on in front of the whole world. And you know what they're arguing about in Texas today? You know what they're arguing about? Should they have the NRA convention in Houston? Should you go to the NRA convention if you're an invited political guest and Ted Cruz is going but but so and so is not and this one is and that one isn't? And this this is what passes for an important decision. Who the F cares? Who cares? The NRA didn't do this. The NRA isn't why the guy had his guns. The NRA isn't why you have the right to bear arms. There's no gun lobby that gave you your Second Amendment rights. That's the Second Amendment. That came before the gun lobby, so-called. So they have their heads up their asses about what went on. And then we're having, see, this is why I can't talk about it because I'm yelling. Then we're, then we're having this phony, baloney, bullshit debate about whether or not to have the NRA convention. Do you care? I'm not going to it. Are you going to it? Who cares? And why are people putting energy into protesting the presence of that convention? The people that are protesting that convention probably don't like the NRA, so don't go. There's all kinds of me- meetings and conventions here in San Antonio. I don't, I don't go to them. I don't, I don't care about them. But we'd rather do stuff like that, that's low-hanging fruit, than talk about hard questions. Like, here's a hard question, and we're going to talk about this during the show. Remember yesterday, we had the governor of New York's idea that we should raise the gun-buying age to 21. I have, a, I have a question for her and people that like that idea. What happened to 21? What happened to 18? 18? There was a time in our country when 18-year-olds were saving democracy and fighting abroad and winning our wars. 18. For most of our history, 18-year-olds in rural areas had guns, handled guns, took guns to school. Nothing like this ever happened. Instead of debating the age, we should be debating what happened to the age. Why are 18-year-olds in 2022 like defective versions of 18-year-olds in 1945? And I'm sorry to generalize, but you know what I mean. Your kid's an exception, great. I'm glad, but you know what I mean. And you raise it to 21. I, I hate to break this to you, but in, in this day and age, not a lot of maturing is going on between 18 and 21. I don't know if you've noticed. It's not going to make a huge difference. Do you think this loser... Would have been any different at 21? Does it seem to you he would have been more reasonable? Or just more scary and freaky and in his own head? So I I don't know. Colossal failure. Adults failing children. And uh, I'm just, I'm really, I'm sorry to sound this way, and I know that you probably don't want to hear a guy on the radio that sounds this way, but it's just frustrating. And I can't, I can't keep that inside. So if they're going to give me this radio show to do, if they're going to trust me with this microphone, this is how I'm going to sound today. But I want to hear from you. 210-599-5555. A lot of the stuff that we talk about on talk radio is about kids and families, right? If you think about it, a lot of our topics, and a lot of the topics boil down to a deficiency of adult leadership or clarity in adults or moral Clarity about what's right and wrong. And um, there's two problems with that, which is that as adults, we have to be the leaders of children. That's unambiguous to me. There's no other way that can work. We have to lead them. And the other thing that's clear is, if we don't, they grow up to be dangerous, dysfunctional, and maybe do what this guy did in Uvalde on Tuesday. So that's what I talk about when I say a colossal failure of adults failing children. Um, and, and, and I understand, and, I, and I've held back, and I'm holding back even now, because I know we're going to learn more, and I'm trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I really want to know what they were thinking, waiting. But it doesn't look good. 210-599-5555. Alan is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Alan, good afternoon.
3: Hi, good afternoon. Thank you very much for taking my call. I um very very uh sad. Uh, I'm I'm just uh as frustrated, if not even more frustrated than you. I, I I I know we can't measure that, but I I just what I I don't understand and I only heard this yesterday was uh, when the uh police officers arrived on scene and then when the shooter o- was 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 shot, was taken down and there seemed to be, a, uh, and I thought I heard it wrong, uh, about an almost an hour uh, mm-hmm. difference, and it was probably less than that. And I, I, what what I was trying to wrap my mind around, I said whether this has got to be, you know, in the heat of the moment they were reporting this wrong, because when I was a state trooper, and I'm a retired, you know, state trooper uh, from Alaska, and, and uh, we we were taught that if you arrive at an active shooter scene, especially and where we trained was at a school in Sitka at one of the local schools and there were shots being fired as as and we're we're recruits but we're you know and then later on we did more training but this was this was hey no kidding man there's shots being fired run towards the shots being fired that's why you're a police officer you're you run towards that when people are running away and and every shot you hear is potentially another life that was lost and we're talking about an elementary school. And so I, I, I guess I, 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 you know, and it's easy to armchair quarterback and hindsight's 2020 20 and all of that stuff, but we're talking about an elementary school and shots being fired. I, I truly don't understand what the training is now because it's been 20 years, you know, since I've, I've gone through training, but I've done, you know, in, in my, in my law enforcement career, I, I did active shooter training, and we always taught the same thing: go towards the shout, sound of the, of the of the gunfire and, and he, he, you know granted you know if you get shot uh, that doesn 't mean the fight 's over by the way. You get shot, hopefully it doesn 't take you out of the fight. it just means that now you really have a good reason for use of force continuum is at the deadly. Now you just everything you can. If they ask you, how come you shot him 45 times? It's because I didn't have 46 bullets. And that's, and that was the mindset Mm -hmm. back then and i don't know maybe what you're saying what you had mentioned with you know police officers being a little nervous now and you know all of that stuff but this is this is a, a circumstance where you're at an elementary school and there's gunfire and you wait 45 minutes to an hour i i really i i just don't get that and and now just as i'm driving home from work i'm i'm listening to your show and i'm going my god this It wasn't wrong what I heard yesterday. No.
0: Let me give you the times. Let me give you the times, Alan. Um, They're in the hallway by about 11.35 a.m. They breached the door of the classroom at 12.50 p.m. So that's, what, 75 minutes?
3: That just doesn't make sense.
0: During which time 911 calls are coming in. They know there are people still alive. They're calling from inside there.
3: You know, I mean, there was that whole thing about the coward of Broward and, you know, and, oh, why didn't he do something different? How could, we not, how could we not see that, what happened in Broward County? And, 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 then, and, and again, I, uh, I love law enforcement people. They're, they're heroes. I do, uh, I too. But I, 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 I want
0: to understand I, this. I, I, I need to, I need I to understand care. this. If I'm going to back them, I need to understand this. I don't get and, it, and I, you I, don't understand I, 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 it. And you have the background and the training. You you should be able to explain it. And you're saying I've I've heard it, Jack, and I can't explain it.
3: I can't explain that. I mean, I I, I mean, like I said, it just it's so. I I wish I wish I could have been there to take a shot or two and maybe get this this. You know, I'm going to be careful with my language, uh, but take this this bastard out. You know, I mean, hey, look, you know, that's what. What you put the badge on for, you know? I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and I am sorry, you know. I mean, I know that the guys are out there doing their best, but that. that and I'll was, tell
0: you what I makes it even worse. What makes it even worse, Alan? And I, and I, by the way, I really appreciate your your call. Thank you. I hope you I hope you'll call again. It's good to talk to you. But but what makes this all even worse? What Alan is talking about is that it t- it took us three days for them to admit this. Now, I, again, I, I'll, I'll allow for fog of war. I'll allow for you don't always get the first, the, the best version on the first go-round. But, um, you know, the governor is saying I was misinformed. Mayor is saying I was misinformed. Why were they sending the gentleman yesterday, I can't remember his name, the DPS gentleman yesterday who, who really couldn't answer any questions and just got very frustrated? And Why even send him out? did he did he know he that he was wrong too he, he works for this agency so his boss today was correcting what he said yesterday now i don't i don't think they just found out today what i'm telling you do you see how hard it is to to back them in this moment even though maybe you're like if you're like me your instinct is to do that it's just uh, it, it, you can only take so much of the of the of the phony baloney we care uh, from politicians and the national media. And take, for example, yesterday. Now, yesterday we asked the question, because I thought it was a good, um, you know, kind of thought question. Well, okay, should there be this new minimum age to buy guns? I was curious to see what people would say. I was a little surprised it was a very close uh, thing. 52% said yes, uh, 48% said no. But but the real question is, what's happened to those ages Right, like 18 is not what 18 was when you were 18 or I was 18. 21 is not a big upgrade from 18. And um, so having the discussion is sort of like missing the bigger picture, right? Or rearranging the deck chairs, right? And here's why I also think um, politicians are doing a lot of misdirection. Uh, Everybody from Joe Biden to Chuck Schumer keeps talking about the gun lobby. But we have guns not because of the gun lobby. The gun lobby lobbies on behalf of the specific um, interests of gun manufacturers. The taxes they pay, the regulations on the uh, production of or design of guns and their workplaces, they, they have lobbyists, like every industry has lobbyists. Boeing has lobbyists, and General Electric has lobbyists. Radio has a whole uh, organization that lobbies for radio stations and companies that own radio stations. We, we pay into that, everybody pays into that. We have guns because we have the Second Amendment. A listener told me that she was watching, I think it was CBS Evening News, the other night, and the anchor referred to uh, the Second Amendment as something the founders tucked into the Constitution like it was a like it was an afterthought, you know like it was a coda. The um, Second Amendment is essential there 's only two kinds of countries in the world and in world history. There are countries where the government is afraid of its people, and there are countries where the people are afraid of their governments. Most countries are the latter. Most countries have always been the latter. We are an exception. And the Second Amendment is why. So the gun lobby is not the problem. And you can't negotiate rights. Just ask the people that are claiming health care is a right or housing is a right or abortion is a right. Are th- do they seem very negotiable to you? Because they don't seem that way to me. Well, that's exactly how I feel about this. Your rights have nothing to do with what this guy did in Uvalde. Nothing. The NRA conference, and I'm not a member of the NRA, by the way, just for full disclosure, because I'm not really a joiner. Nothing against them, but I'm not a member. But they have nothing to do with this. That's just a convenient distraction. Because they don't want to talk about the stuff that we're wondering about. You and I are wondering. We've got hard questions. They don't want them, they're trying to distract us with easier ones. Uh, Sam is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Sam, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jack. I'd just like to say uh, this is very
4: embarrassing and uh, that they're taking this as political, where it shouldn't be. They didn't take consideration of the kids and the, the parents. But anyway, they blame, they're they blaming all kinds of people. How about Oasis, that Oasis place? How come they didn't report that he bought all them bullets? And why don't they name names as far as that uh or the campus police not being there and the teacher left the uh, door unlocked? Yep. Let's name yep. some names and, and get everybody yep. involved and, and especially the that oasis place. They should have notified the police or FBI or somebody hey this guy's bought a lot of rounds, he ain't going deer hunting. Right. Why don't they do these magazines like they do these right. shotguns? When you go dove hunting, that you can only put so
2: many well, shells. Well, here's, Here, here's another one.
0: Here's here's another one, Sam. I was reading a story. was reading a story today about his. He worked at a Wendy's for a while, and uh, his coworkers all talked about how crazy he was and how they were scared of him. And he would he would uh, no, nobody nobody got along with him. And he would constantly right. talk about how he was just working there to earn enough money to buy these guns. I don't know what kind of world you live in, but this is like, what? So we, we've we got to wake, adults have got to wake up. Kids can't, you know, the, the kids showed more resourcefulness than the adults did. I read about a little girl that smeared her, her friend's blood on herself so the shooter would think she was already dead. And... Kids were, had the presence of mind to make 911 calls. One, one child picked up one of the deceased teacher's phones and used it to call 911. I, I mean, I hate to say this, but, um, that's more resourceful and practical than a lot of what I'm hearing about the adults. I, I, I again, maybe, maybe next week this will look different. It just, it's a bad look right now and it's frustrating. And you know, they did a big, up in Connecticut, they did a big, like Warren Commission report, I forget what they called it, but after the Newtown Massacre, which was a a comparable event to this one, Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut, they did a whole big report, and a guy named Pradeep Shankar uh, today has uh, done a series of tweets about that report. I was reading his uh, string, and um, right up front in this report, after Sandy Hook, is um, you've got to have schools that are capable of being physically locked down, perimeters that can be locked down, no way to enter from the outside. They talked about special glazing on the glass. They talked about classrooms and high-density areas being away from entry points and putting low-density areas closer to entry points. That's just a way of saying Rooms with lots of people in it, not near entries. Rooms with few people or no people in them, close to the entry. I don't know, maybe you put the storage room or something near the entry. Um, but that, was, that, that shooting was almost 10 years ago. Now, this report probably came out a year or two later, but even so, that's several years. What did they do, just write it and put it on a shelf? Anybody read it? And I'm hearing from a lot of people in law enforcement who don't want to go on the record, don't want to use their name, and I understand that, and they're saying what our gentleman from Alaska said. No, this is not the training. They don't recognize this. 210-599-5555. Imagine being these parents outside. The police are holding you back, yelling at you. You're begging them to go into the school. You may or may not know there are already police officers in the school, but they haven't gone in the classrooms. And um, you're hearing all this. And uh, these people are screaming at the police. So they're experiencing in that moment two really uh, intense emotions. They are worried about their kids. If you're a parent you know that's that is a special feeling like nothing else when you're scared you don't know what has happened to your kid you're on your way to an ER you're on your way to a doctor's appointment you're on your way to a th- to the school you're on your way home you've been told something but you don't know it all i've been there and then on top of that they've got this anger this frustration they're not they're not anti-police activists they're they're Solid citizens of Uvalde, they're watching public servants, and they can't understand what they're seeing. Are we going to understand this next week or next month, or is it going to make sense when we learn more, do you think? 210 599 Brian is on KTSA. Brian, good afternoon.
5: Thank you for taking my call, Jack. I'm hoping that you can just tell me that my concern is wrong, but after what we've seen with the police in Uvalde, a level of ineptitude on par with Broward County. As you said, the parents are just screaming in anguish, help my child go into school, help my child. I'm concerned that the next time one of these things happens, and unfortunately there will be, and I I hope I'm wrong, we're going to see a vigilante response like never seen before that will lead to bloodshed like we've never seen before as people are so desperate to break into school to help their child that the police do become the enemy. For the sake of going in there and stopping the shooter and saving their kids, we need to start locking these schools down. Everybody says they don't want to turn them into prisons, but isn't that better than losing more children? If you yes. have to turn it into a prison, yes. turn it into a prison.
0: You, you don't. You don't know. You don't. You don't have to turn it into a prison because, and I'll tell you why, Brian. Because uh, children who go to private schools. And we have several excellent ones here in San Antonio. None of them say it feels like a prison. All of those schools have perimeter security on the grounds. Even before you can get in the building, you can't even get on the grounds without the perimeter security, the fencing, the patrols. Then the building itself is, has redundancies of, of entry. And, uh, you have to prove who you are and why you're there. No, they can, they, they do it and people pay top dollar and no one says i feel like i'm sending my kid to prison so you're you're right we don't have to make them prisons we just have to do what we've been telling ourselves for years we would do what we told ourselves after sandy hook we would do why write these reports if we're not going to follow them
5: exactly and the uh, features that you say are selling points for those schools so yes people want yes. those features
0: yes uh, a friend of mine who i will not name uh, said that was the number one reason he sent his kids to a private school. And he's not that well to do, but he, it was just that was it. Uh, it he, he thought about it, and it just made sense to pay the premium for that security. But we 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 already pay a premium for public schools. What we're always told, by the way, by the teachers unions that we don't pay enough. Right? We're we're, we're getting it. We're getting such a deal. We're not paying enough. We don't. We don't pay enough in taxes, we don't fund it. Okay, well, you know what? Do all this. Show me the bill. We'll talk. But I'm telling you that that's what's been recommended after every one of these. And we can go through the Sandy Hook report. And I can tell you what they said. It was very specific, point by point. And their big thing was access control. Their big takeaway was access control. There had to be electronic. There had to be in-person There had to be uh, redundancies. If this fails, you got that. If the power goes out, you can do this. You keep people off the playgrounds. You keep them out of the external areas because obviously in the course of a day, kids are outside the building. And this was several years ago. And the private schools are doing it. They're talking about the... um, I mean, every day this week, it's changed, hasn't it? The changing narrative of the response to the Uvalde school shooting, Rob Elementary School. So on Tuesday, we were sitting here just trying to get you what had happened, the raw details, um, and then it has been just a you-know-what show, (laughs) Wednesday, Thursday, and today. And I, I wonder if the story will be different tomorrow, or Monday, or Tuesday, I guess it'll be. Uh, 210-599-5555, and uh, Charlie is on KTSA. Charlie, good afternoon.
4: Hey, Jack. Sorry to, to visit on such a somber occasion. Yeah. The, uh reason i'm called it is let, let's let's quit laying blame or i understand frustration but let's not lay all this on the law enforcement the school and everything else and let's put blame where blame is due on this sorry individual of a person i know what we had mistakes so we understand hope that we learn from but it's this individual was the cause of the problem not everything else and it's a damn shame we have to be able to we have to fortify everything from idiots like this, but that's that's the fault of parenting, from my my. As I understand, maybe he was a uh, He came from a broken home, moved in with walk That is, you know, and I don't know about the the, the ones in the past, but were, were their parents ever involved? Wasn't one never growing up? Did they do caps? Did they do sports? Did they do anything? Are they they latch key children. They come home and get on these games. That's another thing. that it first I me mean, is these damn shoot 'em up games that they've been playing. They play these things eight, ten hours a day, and that's all they do is shoot and kill, shoot mm-hmm. and kill on these stupid games. And I think since that started twenty years ago, it's been a trend more and more and more. All this happening with young people.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you're right that you're right that the 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 fault for the killing is with the killer and i i disagree that when you say it's a shame that we have to harden schools no one says it's a shame that we have to have security at banks or we have to have a vault at the bank no one ever said that we just accept we, we we just we don't cry baby about it we just accept that on occasion bad people will try to rob the bank we just need to accept that on occasion bad people will try to harm children in a school because that's where the kids are and that's how you get to a community. That's how you tear a, a hole in a community, is you attack its children. So, whether they're terrorists or school shooters or, or whatever they are, um, we need to stop making excuses for not doing it and just do it. And yes, you're right, it's his fault, but isn't it also our fault if these things keep following the exact same pattern and we don't pick up on that? Uh, I mean, how many times can you step there. on a rake and get hit with the handle, Charlie?
4: Uh, I agree to a point, but yet yeah, it, it, it still comes down to. But- parenting and parenting trying to get help for their children
0: okay so i agree with you that it comes down to parenting but unless you have a unless you have a solution for everybody being a good parent we have to have a society that can absorb and and handle the products of bad or or non-existent parenting we have to we have to protect our kids from people who didn't raise theirs I agree with you 100%. You I mean that's what we do. That's what we do with our kids anyway, right? I mean when we send our kids to school, we equip them for a world in which sometimes the rules won't apply or the you know, we have to tell our kids in so many words you're going to do the right thing but other people won't. Or you're going to get you know, sucker punched, you're going to turn around and hit the person back and you're going to get in trouble for for being in a fight. That's that's the way of the world. I don't see that as oh, this is just awful. This is just how we prepare them and and I think we ought to prepare these schools for the possibility of things like this i'm with you it's not going to happen ninety nine percent of the time, but it's happened enough to be smarter about it than we are propping a door open. Come on, you got to. I mean you you've got to be kidding me hi, Jack all right hey Dennis so the the governor came out and started his news conference uh, about an hour and a half ago, and he He started with a recitation of the uh, programs and sort of um, special resources they're going to make available for people in Uvalde, which is all good and important to do. Um, I think it would have been more effective if he had just come out uh, and started the way he answered the question about the changing narrative of the response To Rob Elementary School, if I can play that, this is uh, this is when the governor tells us that he too was misinformed about what happened. Cut number six.
6: Short answer: Yes, I was misled. I am livid about what happened. I was on this very stage two days ago, and I was telling the public information that had been told to me in a room just a few yards behind where we're located right now. I wrote down hand notes in detail about what everybody in that room told me in sequential order about what happened. And when I came out here on this stage and told the public what happened, it was a recitation of what people in that room told me, whether it be law enforcement officials or non-law enforcement officials, whatever the case may be. And, as everybody has learned, the information that I was given turned out, in part, to be inaccurate. And I'm absolutely livid about that. And here's my expectation. My expectation is that the law enforcement leaders that are leading the investigations, which includes the Texas Rangers and the FBI, they get to the bottom of every fact With absolute certainty. There are people who deserve answers the most, and those are the families whose lives have been destroyed. They need answers that are accurate. So I would have
0: started, if I was him, I would have started with that. That Those should have been his first words. Um, I'm livid. I have been giving you a version of this that was given to me that was not right. And so now we have another problem besides this, this incredible wound in Uvalde. I'm, I'm the chief executive of the state, and people are lying to me about how they did their job. It's a big problem. Wednesday night in Charleston, West Virginia, um, people were having a graduation party in an apartment complex. A lot of people. And a guy had driven through the area very fast recklessly fast, according to witnesses. And so some people at the party yelled at him to slow down, There are children. And uh, he didn't like that. So he came back and uh, decided to kill people at the party. Uh, he was heavily armed, he had multiple magazines, and he began firing into the crowd. And you're saying, Jack, my God, why... Why haven't I heard about this? Well, because a woman killed him. A woman with a gun ran toward him and killed him before he could kill people at the party. One person was injured. But he was clearly there to kill a lot of people because they had yelled at him. But yeah, definitely, let's uh, let's do away with the Second Amendment because that's that's obviously the problem here, right? That's been our problem all along. That's what's holding us back from being a great country. Like all the others that don't have one. You'll understand government better if you understand that, that many, if not most, of the people in government spend all their time trying to transfer power from you to them. That's what almost everything in politics is about. Because we are that rare country where the power still resides with the individual. We're not permission-based. We're rights-based. So you can either have a country whose people are afraid of its government or a country whose government are afraid of its people, and we've been the latter for these 250 years. The press secretary at the White House said there's more guns than people in this country. If more guns were the solution, we'd be the safest country in the world. says the president wants to do something about that. Columnist Jim Treacher says that he should disarm the Secret Service. He lives in the most heavily guarded building on the continent. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, Treacher writes, he's constantly surrounded by guns. There are snipers on the roof of his house. Guns everywhere. If more guns were indeed the solution, then he would be in the safest house in the world. But if more guns are the problem then the opposite is true. Then Joe Biden is in the most dangerous place in the world. So Treacher says, prove the theory. No more guns in the Secret Service. Keep the Secret Service, but no no guns. And then the president will be much safer, right? If they believed their own rhetoric, that's what they would do. If they believe their own rhetoric about green energy, the presidential limo would be electric. It's interesting that it's not. Of course, nobody would actually propose disarming the Secret Service. Nobody would. Even if you didn't vote for Joe Biden, you don't want that. None of us want that. Getting rid of armed security around the President of the United States would be a disaster. But if the President of the United States, Treacher writes, has the right to protect his own life, with as many guns as it takes, why not the rest of us? If too many guns are the problem, show us how that works. 210 599 And um and now I think you have to be a little bit on guard because you you already knew that there would be a push for gun control and a push for you know restrictions on law-abiding people, people that had nothing to do with this, people that have no nexus to this in Uvalde. But now, on top of that, I think there is going to be a lot of obfuscation and misdirection and uh, about just what exactly happened. You know what what went into this attack? How, who who knew what when? Um, how long did we have to stop this? And what was going on in those indetermined, undetermined number of minutes? Seems like somewhere around an hour or more when they were trying to decide what to do. 210 599 Jeff is on KTSA. Jeff, good afternoon.
7: Good afternoon, Jack. Enjoy yourself. You know, we could uh, dissect this all day long. and Unfortunately, I'm a retired police officer with tactical experience. However, we do know from Columbine that the only way you're going to stop any shooter is to have a person with a gun to shoot them, just like the one you talked about in South Carolina. Uh, you know, right now, the state of Texas allows the school districts that are licensed, whoever's licensed, to carry a gun to carry in school. But again, it's up to the administration. Right. You either have a guardian program to do this or the state of Texas puts on a 16-hour course free. Well, I charge free. But it teaches a, a acronym called ADD, Avoid, yeah. Deny, and Defense. It's yeah. a great program. You know, the old saying is when seconds matter, police is only minutes away. Uh, so –
0: but so let me ask you something, uh, Jeff. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you short, but but uh, we we have talked about the Guardian program a lot on the show, and I, I understand you may not have heard us do that, but we, th- 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 there's a good awareness of it. But I, I am starting to wonder if that's really the answer, given that professional law enforcement was paralyzed with indecision. If if people with exponentially more training didn't know what to do, then a teacher that took a course may not know what to do or be able to make that call either. And I, I wonder about that.
7: Well, Jack, the teacher or their school employee or the office person or whoever the where the incident has taken place, they're going to be right there. You know, uh, they're going to so the police be,
0: were right there, Jeff. They were right outside the door.
7: Well, unfortunately there's a lot of mistakes made, but uh Okay, but you but know, you're just,
0: dodging my you're dodging my thing here. I'm not I don't I'm not trying to get in an argument with you, but you gotta admit, no, no. right? That what we just saw makes you wonder if training non professional people is better because these are professional people and they, they were waiting around.
7: Jack and I, I feel the pain for everybody. I know it's terrible, it's disgusting. Even I heard the clip earlier about the, the leader in charge said possible barricade subject. Well, unfortunately, people just don't die when they're shot. They bleed to death. So you have to go in anyway and take this guy out. We're at the gun jam. Who knows what's going on? But, no, they made a bad call, whatever it was. Uh, yep. But as far as getting back to who's ever trained, you train the person. That's going to be in the... I, I, I'm
0: with you. I'm with you. I'm not against it. I'm not against it, yeah. but I, I don't think it's the whole answer. Let me put it to you this way. I want these public schools to have the kind of security the private schools have, and they don't rely on arming the teachers. They go beyond that. We can do more than arm the teachers.
7: Well, the old saying, old saying goes, sooner you take out the threat to Lower the carnage. Unfortunately, <laughs> all right, you're not awesome. going to change your
0: mind. I, it's cool, Jeff. You you stay that way, all right. I'm not going to change your mind, and that's all right. But I, I I'm telling you, um, we're gonna we're gonna have to do more. Uh, we're gonna need more than one thing. Like maybe that's part of it. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not against that. I've been advocating it on the show for years. Um, I'm 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 sort of thinking now that this needs to be a multi-course thing. You know, we're gonna have to look at a lot of things after. Uh, Sandy Hook, that report talked about the construction of the buildings, the implementation of different windows. I mean, you gotta, you design buildings to be safe and to protect the people in them. And I don't want to hear this, this Michigas about it will be a prison. Uh, many of us have worked in, in modern office buildings or secure facilities or financial institutions that are very secure, that have high levels of security. Some of it is invisible. No one felt like they were going to prison every day or dragging a, a ball and chain, wearing stripe. You know, that's, that's, just, that's making an excuse for not doing it. Oh, well, we don't want it to be a prison. Um, I, I want our kids to, you know, survive, live, live to graduate. Then we need to talk about what we're teaching them and all the other stuff, but this should not be happening. We've had enough of these to learn and to do more. Propping doors open, not cool. That that shows no um, that shows no regard for what's come before, right? We can see that. You know, another thing that's kind of weird to me about this Uvalde story is, um, so here you have a guy that went to high school, though I guess he dropped out. Now, today I read that he had dropped out maybe a year ago or something, so he had not, he was not attending the high school this this academic year, but he, he had been at the high school, and he was of age to go to the high school. And it, it, right away on Tuesday, it seemed weird to me that he had attacked a different school. Most school shooters seem to attack the school they attend, right? Okay. So why'd he go to the elementary school? And then we hear about the door being open, and the resource officer not being there and I'm thinking to myself is that why he went did he know was there was there word on the street that, that they're kind of loose there or that it's a more vulnerable target I mean I'm just I'm just wondering I'm not saying I know but that's at some point gonna have to be explained why that target why that school I mean was it was it just a coincidence that He happened to run toward and enter a school where a door was unlocked and open? Was that a split-second thing? Was that just a luck thing for him? And I don't mean luck in a light way, but, you know. Tina is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Tina, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, sir. Um, I'm a school resource officer. I'm a police officer stationed on a campus. And I'm sorry, I'm on my campus all day. I may leave to go pick up a lunch, but I bring my lunch back. It was crappy on the response time, and I'm sorry, that school resource officer should have been on that campus. We're trained. We don't get paid much, but we are trained to go into these situations. Guns drawn, you know, willing to give up our life. I would have given up my life Tuesday for every one of those kids trying Mm -hmm. to save them, Mm -hmm. you know. We do have the training. I had a parent come into the school today that actually wanted to be on the campus just to help us out, to be a presence. Mm-hmm. There's ways of doing that. Contact your mm-hmm. school. There's an application you fill out, and we'll let you into the school. We've got to check mm-hmm. you out. You're not right. going to carry a gun, but you're a good presence. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I do believe we should arm our teachers, but I believe they should go through the same training that we go through. You know, not just doing four hours on a computer or four hours in a classroom.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: go through the I think that
0: has to perfect. be the last line, though. Like, if, if you're doing that, so if you got to do three or four other things so that that's your last resort.
1: I don't want to have to worry about anybody else except right. for my kids.
8: Right.
0: You know
1: what I mean? So parents being there, whatever, that's up to the administration. But you right. know what? I'm there to do a job, yeah. and I'm going to do my job. Yeah, one of our officers. It was his sister, that was the school teacher, and his brother-in-law that passed away. Oh my goodness! So it hit home for us, and yeah. our prayers are with them. But you yeah. know, us as police officers, we are trained, and it makes me sick that there wasn't one there.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it really great, does. great points, great points. And when you say you would have, you would have run toward it, and you would have given up your life, I can hear it in your voice. I believe you.
1: Yes, sir, I would. You know, these are our babies, and this what we're put on this earth to do is protect them.
0: Yeah, well said. Thank you, Tina. Appreciate it. Appreciate what you do. Thank you for doing what you do. I'm going to shift gears here now because this is interesting to me, and I want to see what you think about this. Remember Colin Kaepernick? You remember him? NFL quarterback kneeling during the National Anthem. Okay. That was in 2016. He's been out of football since 2016 he he nobody nobody wanted any any part of that mess around Colin Kaepernick and at the time um in my mind it was a decision that w- was very logical by these teams a he was of he was definitely of declining output he was no longer a a blue chip quarterback or a top tier quarterback S- so he was at best some going to be somebody's backup but on top of that if you took him on your team, you were buying in all the baggage. And you were going to seriously tick off a large plurality, if not majority, of your fan base. So he hasn't been in football since then. And then I don't know if you remember, a few years ago, the NFL did something they've never done before. They said, we're going to have a workout for Colin Kaepernick. I think it was in Atlanta. And they invited all the teams. They used the Atlanta team's facility, but it was for everybody. Come see Colin Kaepernick. See if you want to bring him on your squad. Now he'd only been out a few years at this point, and he muffed that up. He decided not to go to it. He said, "I'm going to have a workout at another place," and he moved his workout. And then some people didn't go. And then so he, in a moment where he probably could have gotten back in the league, and I again, I'm not a fan, so I don't care, but. Just walking you through what happened. At a moment when he probably could have gotten on somebody's roster, he screwed it up. He didn't show up for this opportunity that was unprecedented that the NFL gave him. This week, he's working out with the Las Vegas Raiders, and by all indications, the workouts have gone well. The owner of the Raiders has said they would love to have him on the team. And Pro Football Today says there may be a couple of other teams also interested in Colin Kaepernick. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The defenders of Colin Kaepernick, people like Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, have been saying for years he was blackballed. He was exiled and blackballed because he was a black athlete who protested peacefully. The NFL didn't have a rule that you had to stand for the anthem. He should have been free to do it. The NFL blackballed him. And I said, no, no, he's not that good. And he has baggage and people don't want that. So why are they bringing him back now? Do you know how rusty a quarterback would be after six years? I don't care how much he's been working out. I don't care what his regimen is, his diet is. I don't care if he's been on the Tom Brady diet. He's been out of football for six years. Rusty. Not even familiar with half the guys playing the game anymore. Or the playbooks. Okay, so now, you know what? I still don't like what he did. I'm not defending what he did. But they were right. He was blackballed. There'd be no other reason to bring him back now. Why, If you didn't want him while he was still fresh, why would you want him now? They want him now because they're trying to buy their way out of the bad publicity, the black eye that Colin Kaepernick and that whole experience gave the NFL. Trump's out of office. They want to, they want to put this behind them. They're, this is a pure business decision. And again, not changing my mind about what he did or how I feel about what he did. But yes, this, this puts the lie to the fact that, well, he's just not on anybody's roster because nobody, nobody needs him, nobody wants him. He was much more attractive as a backup quarterback or even a starting quarterback in 2016, 2017, 2018. Now you're talking about 2022. This was, he was blackballed. There's no getting around that now. And the NFL is trying to buy its way out of trouble. And because I also don't like the NFL, (laughs) I'm not crazy about Colin Kaepernick, but I really don't like Roger Goodell. He just seems like, like a phony baloney from the word go. He is the wokest guy running a major sports league. He may be the wokest guy in sports. He makes Greg Popovich look like Ronald Reagan. And I think Goodell and the NFL are making a very cynical play here to put this whole thing behind us. People would have cared in 2017 or 2018. Who cares now? But see, they're trying, and and especially this week. I mean, really? You're working them out this week? But see, this is what, this is why I think this is all spin. And then when they put them on the, Raiders or some other team it's probably as QB2 then the NFL spin machine is going to kick in right and it will not only be the NFL spin machine but it will be ESPN and Fox Sports and NBC Sports all these all of their uh co-conspirators will start generating all these feel good stories he's he's back the magic is back and he's you know what a what a redemption story They'll throw some Trump in there for good measure because remember Trump was all about Kaepernick there for a while. And there's a history of this. A guy wrote an article for The Nation and I hadn't thought of this but it's a great point. He said they're going to do with Colin Kaepernick what Major League Baseball did with Jackie Robinson. So when we hear the name Jackie Robinson today we hear that baseball courageously integrated when Jackie Robinson made the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. But that's all spin. That's the way we tell the story now. That's a lie. The truth is that Major League Baseball and every team and every executive refused to integrate. They had had their pick of, there there were 30 or 40 or 50 Jackie Robinson caliber players. They didn't want any of them. They vowed not to integrate the sport. They drove the Negro Leagues into bankruptcy. And now they tell the story like they're the good guys. Look what we did. And that's why I remember we were talking about Jackie Robinson the other day, and we said he was very bitter toward the end of his life, and he wouldn't come to, to, he was invited to old-timer games and various baseball functions, and he politely told them you know, to go stuff themselves because he knew that they had, Rewritten that history, they had they had spun that story. Now I'm not comparing Jackie Robinson to Colin Kaepernick. I don't think Colin Kaepernick could tie his shoes, but but that's what's going to happen here. This is going to turn into a story that in the in the years to come will be told very differently than how it actually happened. So I always thought that these teams were just making a talent based decision because they've got a, they've got a lot of there's a lot of guys in the NFL that kneeled and spoke their mind, and shot their mouths off, and said this and said that, right? And the NFL has guys that have committed crimes. The the NFL uh, is going to start Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. I mean, you talk about a guy with baggage. You're forced to conclude that they don't want Colin Kaepernick because he's a better quarterback now than he would have been a few years ago. There's no way to make that argument. In fact, he's almost he almost has to be a worse quarterback. They want him now because they want to rewrite the story to make themselves look good. Everybody now knows what they were doing and how they did it, and they want to get right with it. They don't want to do the right thing. They want to make it look like they did the right thing. There's a difference, isn't there? By the way, the... Um, Somebody once crunched the numbers. Crime in the NFL. They did a report. I forget, it was some college or university, obviously, that did it. And they looked at the the arrest rate for NFL players versus the general population of people around the same age, like 20 to 40 or 20 to 35 or something like that. And they found that for uh, most crimes... NFL players committed crimes at slightly below the rate of comparable men their age. The exceptions were substance abuse, assault, uh, and domestic violence. NFL players commit those crimes at a higher rate than other American men of the same age. So the NFL has criminals. The NFL is going to do this redemption story with Deshaun Watson and of course numerous others. And th- this is this is all spin. And we're being played. So just when you see the he- the headlines are coming. He'll, 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 he'll make the Raiders or one of these teams. And then they're going to do this big pat themselves on the back victory tour. Just 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 remember what I told you though. So I mentioned earlier the NRA is having a convention in Houston that's being protested at, and would have been anyway, but I guess now maybe more so or with more intensity. And some of the people, uh, like some of the speakers have canceled. I guess even the entertainment is canceled. Don McClain, the, the American Pie guy, said he's not going to go out of respect to the Uvalde victims. I I... I I I want to be respectful, and I don't want to say anything that will come across the wrong way. But if you want to do something for the Uvalde victims, do something for the Uvalde victims. Not attending the NRA convention will not bring them comfort. The the fact that you're not there will not change anything for them. So can we just be clear about that? Besides the fact that the NRA didn't shoot up this school that the NRA represents people who are interested in their constitutional rights the way lots of other organizations do. The NRA convention is in Houston, 300 miles away. I don't really see the connection except for people that want a backdrop for their protests or want to make a connection so that they can, you know, get their message out. I get it. You're a protester. You go to a place that has significance. You're, you're assigning significance to this convention. But as for the people attending or scheduled to speak at the convention, not going isn't helping you, Valdi. I heard this week that Cocaine Mitch has told Senator Cornyn, he's made Senator Cornyn the ambassador, if you will, I'm using that word, not the word he used, to the Democrats to negotiate on guns I don't get these republicans I'm I'm sorry I don't I know a lot of you are republicans I've got friends who are republicans I don't get you people you're on the crest you're on the on the on the excuse me on the brink of historic gains you are on the right side of a lot of things at this moment why would you negotiate with people who are not going to meet you halfway they want it all if republicans give on the second amendment they can kiss the red wave goodbye you've got to you've got to understand something about the the red wave it's an anti blue wave i talk to people every day they're not enamored of the republicans it's just that voting for the republicans is a way to to send the message and to d de- Uh, fang the progressive woke Democrats. But if the Republicans start acting like them, what would be the point? So, respect for the Second Amendment and good policy better be front and center and stop worrying about tweets and stop worrying about being accused of being baby killers or having the blood on your hands or going to the NRA or you've got to do something or when are we going to do something. Please note that the people who are in power aren't doing anything. I mentioned this the other day. They've got the presidency, the both houses of Congress, almost all the media, the teachers' unions. They're not doing anything except fundraising. I got a fundraising email from President Biden last night about Uvalde. It wasn't from the White House. It wasn't Jill and I are very sorry and we're praying for, it was from the DNC. They're fundraising off Uvalde. And if the Republicans are so stupid, and I know it's possible, I've seen it, to give in this moment, on this, on the, on, the, on the precipice of a historic victory. I mean, the Democrats know there's no pulling this out, right? Biden's numbers are in free fall, the economy, inflation, gas prices set a record every day. There's only one way the Republicans can blow this, and this is it. Mitch sending Cornyn to do a deal on guns. You know, the, I mean, Democrats must be thinking, wow, how did we get so lucky? If they were in the position Republicans are in right now, it would be pedal to the metal, right? They'd be, they would already be measuring the drapes in the Oval Office. And the Republicans are sending John Cornyn to meet with the Democrats. I'm not making this up. I wish I was. Now, Cocaine Mitch is is a, is a shrewd guy. I, I will give him that. I don't think he's dumb, but I do think this is dumb. You don't compromise on this. And that's the thing about the difference between a right and something like a license or a privilege, okay? If the government gives you permission to do something, that's negotiable, that's like a, that's like a joystick or a toggle, right? You can, you can throttle it up a little, throttle it back a little, we're going to give more, we're going to give less. Like radio stations are licensed, And over the history of radio, they've at times they've granted a lot of licenses and then granted none and then slowed it down and then sped it up. And as the nation grew, we need more stations in higher population areas. So you can do that because that's a government license. But a right is not negotiable. And I don't know what the Republicans think their identity is, but wouldn't you say that one of their main sort of calling cards, or what? one of the things they're sort of best known for is pro-Second Amendment. I mean, everybody I know, pra- I shouldn't say everybody, practically everybody I know who's serious about or has a lot of interest in the Second Amendment either is a Republican or usually votes for Republicans. I'm pretty sure the Venn diagram on that is pretty clear. So Schumer and Pelosi must be, you know, just crossing their fingers <laughs> that the Republicans are going to blow this. 'Cause it's the only chance they have. And I hope they don't, but let's let's see. But this is what's going on. They're they're starting to wobble right before the midterms on the Second Amendment.
6: Bees and now no, that's
4: all
0: right. Meet me on the corner KTSA is 608. We're heading into the Memorial ready. Day weekend. That's what being said and um, on our last hour of the last show of the week, every week, we talk about restaurants and you do actually. I don't do much but, but just take the calls. Uh, but it's your chance to talk about a new restaurant or one that's new to you or to sing the praises of an old favorite. Um, it's not a restaurant review. you know. It's just the way you would refer to a place or relate an experience to somebody you knew, a coworker or a friend. You'd say, hey, you got to try this place or hey, I want to take you because we went and it was really good. So we're talking about any kind of restaurant, any price, any kind of food, chain, independent, hole in the wall, big place, It could be down on the Riverwalk or out in the neighborhoods. It could be outside San Antonio. Um, And you can talk about the food, the price, the service. You can praise or you can zing.
5: We're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger when this is over.
6: okay.
0: So you can praise or incredibly transition. On the Dish, 210 599 It's easy to do, and I want to hear about where you've been and what you've tried and what's good and why we should go and what we should order when we go, or if it was a bad experience, what went wrong. On the Dish, 210-599-5555. They did a, a story at ExpressNews.com the other day that intrigued me a little bit. This was actually, I guess, a few weeks ago. You know how it is when you get older. Everything is the other day. <laughs> 1997 is the other day to me. Now, this was a few weeks ago in the uh, the Express News. They did a, uh, a showdown or a comparison of the barn door versus Little Red Barn Steakhouse. They're both institutions, right? The barn door opened in the 50s. Little Red Barn opened in the 60s. Uh, they 're in different parts of town, but they kind of have the same they 're kind of in the same mission, right They even look a little bit the same inside if you remember, and um, both are kind of known for things like the salad dressing and the rolls and of course the steaks but which would you say is better or the best and A lot of people would say that well. These places used to be better. They're not as great as they used to be. And i got to be honest, I haven't been to either one of them in many years, several years. But um, if you had to pick, would it be the barn door or would it be Little Red Barn? And um, obviously you have to have been to both of them to, to make that. Well, I guess you don't have to, really, if you've only been to one of them and you're sure that that's the one. You can tell me, 210-599-5555. I always get steaks when I go to those places, but obviously they have things like chicken fried steak and chicken and other things that you can get as well. Uh, My my recollection uh, was that the steaks were good. Um, You know know the number one thing I look for in in a steak when I order a steak, which is not very often, um, I'm really looking for just places that know how to cook it the way you order it. I mean, if you're going to ask me how I want it, right, then do that. If you can't do it, don't ask, right? Right? I mean, you, would, you wouldn't offer to make somebody a martini, and if they said yes, say, oh, I don't know how to do that, or I don't have any vermouth. So I, I, I think what I like about both of those places is they know steak, and if you want it a particular way, you know, say you, you really want it medium, they will do that. It will come out just just right. That was That's my memory, at least, of both of those. But we can talk about that or any restaurant you want to praise or zing. 210-599-5555. Along the way, we're still taking your votes in the JR poll, and we'll have results on the JR poll coming up uh, at the end of the hour. We're also going to pay tribute to some jazz greats. Today's a pretty big day in the jazz world for uh, legendary artists' birthdays. So we'll have a little little touch of jazz at the end of the show. Um, And your calls, 210-599-5555. I guess this isn't really a food story. Well, it's kind of a food story. Uh, The uh, commissioner of the FDA testified this week that the baby formula shortage won't be resolved until July or August. He says eventually not only will they get the store shelves stocked, but there will be a surplus, a plethora. So we can all have some then, you know. We'll just... <laughs> Going to have a surplus. All right. So if you're wondering, that's what they say they'll do sometime in July or August. Uh, your calls on the dish two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five or Jack at ktsa. dot com. Any kind of food, any kind of uh, location. Jenny is on the dish on KTSa. Jenny, happy Friday to you.
8: You too. Um, Thank you. I have a thing for Golden okay. Walk. Oh um, yeah, Warsaw Chinese mm-hmm. food. Been there yeah. my whole life. Great it used to be a great place, but I will never go again.
0: What the heck um, happened?
8: Yeah. So food has declined, but service was the absolute worst. I have never been treated so. Unfairly, so rude, um, wholesale across the board. Like, hmm. wait staff, kitchen staff, manager, and hostess. It was unbelievable. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's over. It was just, it's what happened? I mean, look, what did they do? On? What
0: what what did they do that uh, that left such a bad feeling?
8: Um. So the food we ordered was a little bit dry. We needed some extra sauce. And no big deal. That uh, particular dish tends to be that way. And there was a mm-hmm. squabble about the, you know, needing needing the extra sauce for my friend's dish. And you know, oh my goodness, it was like trying to trying to order a whole new thing when you just need a little sauce on the side. But I was also, I'm I'm a woman of size. I was greeted by the hostess with, here you can sit in this location because it's adjustable. And I tried to let her know that that's not the most polite way to help people (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm.
8: Um, and that it might not be received well. But she didn't Mm -hmm. want to receive Mm -hmm. that feedback and was very childish about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The manager that evening wasn't willing to help with the sauce issue very politely. The attitude everywhere was just bad. And then that kitchen is very exposed and we could hear the snide comments coming from the staff. So I will huh. never be there
0: again. And you said it's you've been there before, so it, the other visits, nothing like yeah. this had happened, right?
8: Right. It's been there my whole life.
0: Yeah. That is really weird. I mean, I, I've I've gone there many times, too, and um, I hadn't really noticed a decline in anything. And what you're describing is not the kind of thing that you could chalk up to being, like, short-staffed or, no, you know, pandemic stuff, right? Are... Right, right. There's,
8: there's a definite decline in... Uh, yeah. Customers across the board were noticing, right? The great resignation and people are yes. changing, but yeah. this was a very strange attitude shift.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, there's a difference between we don't have it or we're out of it or it takes longer to get the, like one of my favorite places, I've stopped going because it just takes way too long to get service. There's one, there's like one waiter where there used to be three or four, but, but what you're describing oh, yeah. is just there's no, there's no excuse for that. So I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry that okay. happened. Uh, Jenny with a zing. For Golden Walk on Wurzbach, 8828 Wurzbach. Uh, we're
5: going through an incredible transition that is taking place. And when it's over, we'll be stronger when this is over.
0: It's like he's making an excuse for Golden Walk. Um, yeah, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. I've uh, been going there ever since I moved to San Antonio. And it's, it is. It's it's a it's a landmark place. And uh, I hope they turn it around. 210-599-5555. Little Red Barn, a little, yeah, Little Red Barn or Barn Door? The Express News asked the question a few weeks ago, and Mike is calling in on KTSA on the dish. Hi, Mike.
9: Hi, Jack. Uh, coincidence that you mentioned that today because I was calling in about Little Red Barn. I was going to call in. I appreciate you doing this, and we need a break from everything that's happened, as terrible as it is. Just have yes. to step away. Yeah. But, um, so I want to get – I've not been to the barn door, um, but I always wanted to go to Little Red Barn. Went last Friday for my birthday, and it was really great. Um, you know, it's not the best steak I ever had in my life, but just really great place. The service was excellent. It's a big place, and, you know, they got us in right away. Just it was – everything was excellent. And uh, glad I went. It was a nice time. Um, went there, and then also uh, – so praise for them and also for Chris Madrid's, uh, which is, you know, another San Antonio – Uh, institution um i've had a couple occasions today where i had to get some um some burgers for customers and they're they're busy but they on time food is good
0: yeah everything
9: done perfectly so uh, but everything was good about those places
0: for a minute for a minute there mike i by the way belated happy birthday you said your birthday was last friday so happy birthday for a minute when you said you went to little red barn and and then you went to chris madrid's i'm thinking wait on the same night sorry i like I like the way this guy yeah, rolls. Like, you know what's you know what's good after a steak is a hamburger.
9: Get a little nervous talking on the radio.
0: No, but, no, yeah, no, no so like they were different better. occasions. I get it now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, if you get a chance to try Barn Door, I think you'll find it's, in, in a lot of ways, it's pretty much it's similar. I don't think there's very much difference between the two of them. I'm, maybe I'll make somebody mad saying that, but they're really pretty close. They they all, You would almost think if you didn't know that they were owned by the same people. You know, they do so many of the same yeah, I'll things. I'll check it out. So, yeah, check that out. But thank you, Mike. Praise for Chris Madrid's and praise for, uh, in the case of our little steakhouse uh, showdown here, uh, vote for Little Red Barn, 1836 South Hackbury. Okay, double, triple zing. I mean, triple praise. Wait a minute, what was the third praise for? I don't know. Oh, maybe his birthday. Okay, all right. I, I'm not. I'm not in good communication with the band. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Taking your calls on the dish. Results on the JR poll uh, coming up. Today's uh, the sixtieth wedding anniversary of uh, some dear friends of mine, Bill and Norma Garcia. And um, I, I did not know it till I saw it on Facebook, and I wished Bill and Norma a happy anniversary. They've been married 60 years. Bill was, when I was getting started in radio, uh, Bill Garcia was the program director who probably gave me the biggest break I ever had. And he hired me at a radio, a music radio station in Boston. It was a huge leap up the ladder for me. And I really didn't know who he was. You know, this was pre the internet. I cannot imagine how we used to do job interviews because you would go into a job interview really with, with nothing. Now I would imagine if you went into a job interview you would Google the person hiring you or the person for whom you were gonna work. You'd know all about his or her resume and their experience and you, and you might even work that into the, the patter, right? But I didn't know anything about, he was the guy running this radio station. I needed to get hired by him. I go to work there, and I find out over the years he's like a radio god. <laughs> I mean, he's been everywhere. He's been at all these huge stations, and I, we're friends on Facebook. He's constantly, po- you know, if there's something in the news about, you know, David Bowie, here's a picture of him with David Bowie in New York, or Daryl Hall, here he is with Hall and Oates, some radio station he was running in Detroit or whatever. I mean, just he knows He knows Bob Seger, knows all these people. So great guy. Very tough boss. You ever have a boss that was really cr- critical and demanding? And I hated it because I thought I was hot stuff. I was in my, you know, I was in my like, my early, I'm going to set the world on fire stage. I'm like 21. I can do this. And he just knocked me down to size, helped me a lot. Spent a lot of time on me, and uh, I'm very grateful for him now. So It takes a long time to appreciate people like that, but you're always glad when you finally figure out that you weren't so great and their criti- criticism was right. It, you're glad when you can get in touch with them and tell them. And I'm so glad that I stayed in touch with him and and uh, been able to say to him, hey, I'm sorry I <laughs> was a pain in the neck because you were right, and you helped me, and I've, had a career, I've made a career out of this. It was because of him. So happy anniversary, 210-599-5555. Praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. They've um arrested a woman in New York for shoplifting, saying, Jack, why are you telling me this? That doesn't sound like that big a deal. Michelle McKelly, age 42, has now been arrested for shoplifting 108 times in New York, including one store. A particular drugstore she seems to like, a Rite Aid at 2nd Avenue and 96th, 10 times. 108 arrests, including 10 at that Rite Aid. This week, a Manhattan criminal court judge released McKelly after she pled guilty to one count of petty larceny and three counts of disorderly conduct. She now, uh, her sentence is she has to go to five meetings uh, of a program for recidivist shoplifters. If she comes to the five meetings, she does not have to go to jail. Welcome to New York. I don't think they should invite her to the meetings. I think they should let her run the meetings. This woman should be teaching shoplifting. I mean, you gotta admit, right, it, it is a crime but you might never meet anybody better at it than Michelle McKelly. I mean, she's made this her life's work. She specializes in body wash, hair products, soap, and candy. She says she knows what she's looking for. She doesn't waste any time. She makes a beeline for it. One time, she stole 10 coolers, you know, like the chest coolers, they don't know how she did it. One time she went into a store with a suitcase and stole all the, um, what do you call them? I'm going to use a dated term. Forgive me, ladies, if this is not what they're called. Uh, we used to call them pantyhose. I guess hose, hosiery, is that what you call Stole it all. Another time she made a hit for air fresheners. You know, I guess whatever she needed. So 108 times, just has to go to some meetings sure that'll straighten her. I'm sure those meetings will straighten her out that would have to be some kind of meeting right i mean who would you have to meet <laughs> that would be one heck of a meeting to go, like, oh, i'm not, I'm going to stop doing this so i hope there's nothing at the meeting she can steal KTSA News Time 638. Not sure if I'll be able to enjoy this weekend knowing that the um, Johnny Depp jury has not come back with a verdict. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I, has, I don't think there's been any show that's done less coverage of it than we have. We've done none. We've never talked about it. I'm proud of that. I'm going to keep that record going. This is not the place for Johnny Depp updates. We do not have them. If you're following that story, you're in the wrong place. Anything else, we're good. We're just not just not doing it. Not interested. 210-599-5555. We are talking restaurants in this hour of the show. It's the last hour of the last show of the week. We call it The Dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience in or around San Antonio. It doesn't have to be right in the city. It can be. It can be Bernie, it can be Sibolo. it can be Floresville, it can you know, you maybe you went up to Austin, maybe you went down to the coast. We'll take all of those. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We were talking about the um Express News did a uh, comparison of Little Red Barn versus Barn Door, uh and um which one is better. It was pretty much of a it was pretty much of a wash. Um so you know, they said one had a little bit better atmosphere, and one had a little bit better food. And um, I think they concluded that both places were, you know, kind of nostalgic and welcoming. They're both, they're both, they're both pretty good places. Mike said it very well. You're not going to get the best steak you've ever had at either one of those places, but you're going to get, you're going to have a good experience, and they're going to cook the steak the way you want it. 210 uh, 599 praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience. There used to be a saying, um, I forget how it went, but basically it was along the lines of um, you don't want to see how they make the sausage, or right? Remember that saying? You, you'd, you'd never eat sausage if you could see how they make it or stuff like that. Well, they had a, uh, a semi-truck overturned on a highway in Pennsylvania the other day carrying 15,000 pounds of... Of hot dog filler. Do you know what hot dog filler looks like? Saying, well, Jack, I'm familiar with the inside of a hot dog. Well, it looks better in the hot dog than it does spilled out on the highway all loose. It was in sacks. Yes. Giant, like, man-sized sacks. And they hit the ground and burst open. It's an ugly picture. Don't Google it. Unless you are never... Going to eat a hot dog again. Fifteen thousand pounds of it spread across the highway. It's in the trees. It's on the grass. It went everywhere. Trucker was speeding, lost control. You know how it is. Probably driving with a few too many hot dogs under the belt. I don't know. Just guessing. It's not appetizing. So you, the saying is true. You probably you. You're going to eat something, you probably don't want to see how it was made. Some things, that's not true. Like, if you watched somebody make a pizza, you'd still want to eat the pizza. Sausage, hot dogs, maybe not. I do remember one time, I think I've told this story before, I, I was invited to the Robert Burns Society, which is Scottish Americans. They're very proud people. They have a lot of traditions, and one of their traditions is haggis. And I had heard of haggis. And I knew what it was, and I wasn't I had never really been interested in having any, but when you go to their society dinner you're you're gonna have some there's no getting around it and um I hope I don't offend anybody, but it it was not it was, <laughs> it was not very good, and the only consolation was I didn't see them make it because I think that would be even harder I probably probably the best way to have haggis is not to think too much about it. You ever had it? Interesting. 210 599 Speaking of not very appetizing, I'm not making this up. There's a new um, cereal called Period Crunch. The little cereal uh, things are, what would you call them? Little... the the pieces, are uterus-shaped. Period Crunch is a raspberry-flavored cereal. You already know where this is going, so I'm not going to just use your imagination. The goal of the cereal, which I didn't know the cereal had to have a goal, the goal was to um, encourage families to talk about menstruation. And the female reproductive system. Um, I don't think I don't think that's really a breakfast topic, do you? I mean, maybe that's not the right place to talk about it, but so they came up with this cereal to um you know spur conversation. Now, the backstory is they're not actually selling the cereal. It's a promotional stunt. So don't don't look for it in the cereal aisle if you were going to. The cereal aisle is interesting. Whenever I'm in the cereal aisle, I always feel like I have to put blinders on, you know, because at my age, you're just getting the healthy cereal, right? You're getting the, you're getting the Cheerios, you're getting the wheat, the the bran flakes, right? I have to pretend I'm not interested in the Frosted Flakes and the Fruit Loops and the Cap'n Crunch and the Cocoa Puffs and all that. Oh, I have no interest in that. Seriously, I am interested, but just got to make a beeline for the good stuff the the you know the granola i do remember as a kid uh, do people still do this when you eat when you used to eat cereal i'm dating myself now you would read the box and we read the box because that was all there was if you were having cereal that was the only thing to look at was the box. And they had interesting stuff on the box, or they had games, or they had fun facts. or. Now that people have phones, I, I don't know, do people still read the cereal box? Is there anything on the cereal box to read? I haven't read a cereal box in years. I haven't even looked at the ones I have. Of course, the cereal I eat wouldn't have anything good on there anyway. It would probably just tell you about your heart. <laughs> How to keep your arteries open. I don't want to read that. But is there still a cereal box worth reading? I mean, do kids still do that when they have cereal? Or are they just looking at their phone? I really don't know. I'm wondering. But yeah, that was a thing. If you're over a certain age, you remember reading the cereal box. And it was, you know, it, it, it kind of worked out. There was just enough on there that when you were kind of done with the box, you were also done with the cereal. It was a great plan. Great, great sort of, you know, one hand washes the other. Two... Food with its own reading material, right? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five, and that's the only thing I can remember. Like I never read a soup can while I was eating soup, right? I don't remember reading any other. You don't read the saltines box while you're eating saltines, I don't think, right? I don't, don't don't read the Fritos bag while you're eating Fritos. Don't read the sticker on the banana. All right, now we're getting ridiculous. But yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> This is totally predictable when you. Sir,
6: you're out of, Sir, you out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch to come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Oh, oh,
0: man. Oh, what? What a piece of work. Beto is quite a piece of work. I um I ho- I hope we'll always have Beto just not have Beto in office, you know what I'm saying? I hope we'll always have him. There'll always be a there'll always be Paris. Um th- we it turns out th- you know I'm a I'm a jazz fan and I love any excuse I can throw a little jazz in on the show. It turns out we've got a pretty big day in the in the in the history of jazz. Before I tell you that, really quick on the JR poll. Uh, the question was, should the NRA convention go on in Houston? There are people saying it shouldn't, and some attendees are canceling. But 91% said yes, 9% said no. On that question, on our Stevens Roofing JR poll, we'll have a new one on Tuesday. When we get started again live at 4 o'clock, we, we are always uh, available on demand uh, at KTSA.com, but no live show uh, on Monday, back live on Tuesday for Memorial Day. Um, and and um, we've talked a little bit about Memorial Day uh, on and off during the week, and a little bit, of course, yesterday when we were out at uh, Kitchen Design by Giovanni, but somehow Memorial Day this year uh, is going to feel a little different. Um, and uh, none of us would have wanted or, ex- or expected what, what happened in Uvalde. And it it has definitely, you see it in people's faces, you hear it in people's voices, it's it's with all of us. Um, And it should be. I mean, we need to take the time to, to feel this and to pray and to console. I was thinking last night, this is sort of what, Memorial Day is supposed to be, it is supposed to be not just a three-day holiday, not just that we're going to have a cookout, but we we are actually supposed to, you know, be reflective, appreciative, remember, so, in a weird way, this has kind of slowed everybody down a little bit, again, not the way we would have wanted, um... And as I mentioned, it's also a pretty incredible day in the uh, musical almanac. For starters, today is the 87th birthday of the legendary Ramsey Lewis. Ramsey Lewis Trio. Remember this big hit from 65? This was a top five, you know, pop hit on the pop chart. Very rare for jazz artists. The In Crowd, Ramsey Lewis, and the Ramsey Lewis trio, which was Red Holt and LD Young. And of course, they left him and became the uh, Young Holt Unlimited and had some hits. And he put together another trio and kept right on going. The great Ramsey Lewis. A lot of other success, crossover success, jazz legend. uh, Ramsey Lewis, 87 today. One of the great ladies of American music is 72 today. Dee Dee Bridgewater has a birthday today. Multiple Grammy winner, singer, songwriter, has won Tony Awards for being on stage. Did a national public radio show for many years about jazz music. Just an all-around renaissance woman. Happy 72nd birthday to Deedee Dee Bridgewater. Take a listen. Your
1: love, your heart's so fatter all day long. You only statter because your tongue just will not utter the words. I love you. Oh, woo, 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 what a little moonlight can do.
0: What a little moonlight can do. So Ramsey Lewis and Dee Dee Bridgewater are both still with us, and today is their birthday. Um, I didn't get a chance to mention this yesterday, but it has to be mentioned. Yesterday was the, or would have been, the 96th birthday of Miles Davis, the legendary trumpeter and band leader. um, You might say the most influential, certainly in the conversation, uh, jazz artist of all time. Uh, definitely up there, right? If you're gonna, if you're not gonna give him number one, you're gonna say top three, top five, right? Multiple decade career, uh, somebody that led the sound, disrupted the sound, uh, redefined the the word, played with everybody, was inspi- was an inspiration to everybody. And I want to play out a little bit from uh, the 1959 Kind of Blue album, which is a landmark jazz album. Uh, One of the selections from that, this is Freddie Freeloader. As we say, happy birthday to the great, late Miles Davis and wish you a happy weekend. Catch you back here on Tuesday.